Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today, my co-host, Nick Costco. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thanks a bunch for having me for uh, week two of our uh, relaunch. Uh, relaunch, relook. You know, yeah, relook. Uh, there's a yeah. reason why we hire marketing people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can we get um, a relook? <laughs> right. I think both words work. So uh, last week we heard from Bob Berg and what a great message. And hopefully, you know, um, my prayers that somebody read that book in the last week and um, or reread it and got something uh, really powerful out of it. And this week we're talking about something that I was exposed to a long time ago. And it's really come a long way in the last 30 years. And uh, Nick, it's, it's uh, uh, from the author of the 12-week year, okay? And yeah. if you haven't read that book, you need to, Michael it's only, Winnington. It's only been a, a New York Times bestseller for about a decade now. Uh, Michael wrote it with his co-author, Brian Moran. And uh, uh, excitingly, they, got a, they have another book coming out here real shortly. We've, we've uh, had the pleasure to spend a little bit of time with Michael here recently, and um, he's excited about this this new book coming out. But I, what I love about it is they really stress the rest run cycle and, and kind of compressing uh, things down a little bit and creating productive tension um, for our workflow. And it's something that you can do as a as a stay at home mom. You can you can plug into this philosophy all the way to corporate executives, and um, it's kind of like like we talked about back to the basics. And uh, Michael is going to outline some of those things with you in this interview. And uh, I appreciate how they put it together in this very systematic way that makes it easy for all of us to understand and then implement. All right. Without further ado, here it is. Here's Michael. Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. This is Jim Oliver, your host. And today I've got a great, great guest. Michael Winnington is with me. And if probably heard that name because he wrote uh, a great book called The 12 Week Year. Michael, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Um, Michael, before we get started, just tell us a little bit about you, your family, your background, and, and uh, just give us, a, give us a painting of you. Okay, well, great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, currently, I'm, I'm uh, married. So far, I'm, I'm doing pretty well on that front. We're living in Kentucky. Um, we have five kids, and they're all old enough to not be at home with us during the current COVID restrictions. So uh, we miss them, but it's kind of nice not having them all together at the moment. Um, but we're, uh, we're happy. We're on a horse farm, and we're looking for a house that we, uh, we haven't found yet, but we're, we're giving ourselves some time. So we're, we're renting a horse farm and, and uh, kind of enjoying where we are. So we're looking for a place in Lexington or Louisville. So if anybody's got any recommendations, just, just let me know. Um, born, and born and raised in Michigan. Um, raised, maybe. Born and raised <laughs> in Michigan. And uh, just recently moved down here to Kentucky because I, I got tired of the winters. It's a little bit cold, a little bit chilly up there for about 10 months out of the year and um, looking for a little warmer weather. 
Um, as you mentioned, I'm a co-author of the book, The 12 Week Year with Brian Moran. And uh, most of my professional career has been helping my clients to close the gap between what, what is and what can be. And uh, that 12 Week Year is really a book about that very topic. So um, that's a little bit about me, my hobbies. I love uh, college football. I um, like going to music festivals with my son and um, just generally uh, look, at, look, look forward to spending time with my wife on the beach. Awesome. Well, you know, it's funny. There's a couple of things that I can relate to there, Michael, is one in the last, uh, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but in the last week, we've made a decision to sell our South Dakota home and move to Florida full time. So the warmer weather, check, I get, I, I'm with you. Um, and this is the time of in South Dakota, though, to be there because the summers are amazing. But the winter is is tough. My wife's from Florida. There's a lot of things. We've kind of found our perfect little neighborhood, and that's going to be uh, really cool. And so um, my wife, though, also, when we visited uh, Louisville, and we've got some great friends in Louisville, um, is and we have an office there for Create Tailwind, is uh, she says, well, I could live in Louisville in a heartbeat. And so I think you're Kentucky is a really cool state. There's so much to offer. I love it. It's, it's great. It's, it's got four seasons, but it's not got the deep, dark winter that Michigan has. So, yeah. so I'm really pleased. And as you mentioned, summer up north is fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Four weeks. I know. I say that too. As I say that to people that all you're really guaranteed is June, July, August of, you know, not great weather every single day, but you know, those are the months. Can you get October nice days? Yeah. But you know, a, a bad weather day in Florida is, Hey, it's going to be hotter than normal. Right. True. And and maybe it's going to rain for an hour in the afternoon. So, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's, yeah, maybe it's, you know, I'm 54, maybe I'm getting old. I just, the warm weather sounds really good to me. It does to me too. Absolutely. So that's awesome that your kids are all doing good and uh, that uh, that they're um, that they're out on their own and and I I I can uh, I have an 11 year old granddaughter that lives with us and um, so I'll I'll be about 65 by the time uh, I'm in your position I guess <laughs> but um, so Michael how did the book the 12 week I love what you said and how you described it how did the book come about. Um, well, we, Brian and I, Brian Moran, my business partner and I, uh, were working in financial services primarily, although we, we work with a lot of different clients. But in the beginning, we were in financial services. And what we found was, as we, we work with those guys, we kind of came in as consultants. Both of us had experiences being management consultants and, and felt like we could really help uh, that industry in particular. And what we realized really early on was, is that we didn't need to come up with new ideas for most of the folks we were, we were working with. Uh, most of them already had great ideas about how to be effective. And, you know, there's, there's MDRT, which, which shares lots of great ideas. But most of the companies that, that these advisors were part of, um, the GAs were part of, already had a lot of great ideas. It wasn't that, that they needed more. Um, what we figured out pretty quickly was is what they weren't doing was taking those, those ideas and getting the value from them that was potentially possible. They weren't, they weren't implementing them very well, if at all. So we decided to focus on that. And as we did that, we were learning that, you know, you could, you could get their attention at certain times of the year and not other times. So if you were at New York Life, you might get their attention in May and June, which I'll explain why that happens. And in other uh, financial services firms, it would happen sometime in November and, uh, and December, we'd get their attention. And, but the rest of the year, it was very difficult to get them to execute at a very high level. 
So as we did that work with them, um, we learned that there were some, some seasons that were more productive than others. And we learned also technically what really worked for them. So, so we understood um, how they operated and what they did. And as we did that work, we began to build this process. We didn't have a name for it, but it was a process that was really around helping them to execute more effectively. And as, as most people could probably figure out, it, it included things that people already knew, right? Planning and, and acting on your plan and measurement and, and spending time on the important things. That's kind of all the basic systems uh, around execution and deal with that. But one of the things we noticed was that we just couldn't get their attention early in the year. And so what was happening was at the end of the year, because their goals came due, Right. You know, you hit your, your end of your goals, you get recognized by your firm or, or you get you get bonus, you get a higher payout, uh, whatever the, the incentives were. But most people own those annual goals. And um, as, as the time got close to the end of the year, they were really taking action on that stuff. But earlier in the year, in the first quarter. Right. Um, we did quarterly planning with these guys, but but it but it lacked something because if they were missing their their numbers in the first few weeks of the quarter, you know, the first quarter of the year. Um, they weren't feeling great about that, but they were saying, you know, well, we'll make it up next quarter. Right. right. And then that, that kind of thing goes into the next quarter and the next quarter until finally something changes at the end of the year. And that is that, you know, the way that we look at time changes, right. The way that we look at time early in the year is that we got a lot of it. There's lots of time to make things up and something magical will happen later in the year. <laughs> by, right. by November 1st, all that magic's gone. All that sense of extra time is gone and uh, people are pulling out all the stops. They're willing to do the work. So we said, that's really super unproductive. So how can we help people act like this across the whole year? And that's really where the 12 week year came from. And that's what differentiated us, I think, from, from uh, our competitors was that we began to help our clients look at time differently in a more productive way. You know, I love that. And, you know, I lived that. I've been in the financial services realm um, for, uh, this is my 32nd year. And the, you know, the first few years I was in production. Then, then after that I was in, you know, if you do a good job, as you know, you know, you're 22 years old, you come into the business. By the time you're 24, they want you to be a manager. By the time you're 26 or 28, they want you to be a GA. And, and you think that's the goal or somebody put that in my head. I wish they wouldn't have, but yeah. really the goal is to be the high, you know, the, the, the really successful advisor, not the babysitter, which is the, the <laughs> sales manager or the general agent. And, 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 and I've been all of those things. But the thing that, um, that I realized is that it, it, exactly what you said. You had some people, I remember one guy that was an industry speaker and he talked about doing 100% of your business in the first um, quarter, is, again, is the way he put it. But it goes to your point is this, and by the way, he did this year after year after year because his focus and he was a unique individual, obviously was that first quarter. He just focused on it. He got hundred percent of his goal done in the first quarter and then literally took the rest of the year off. Um, but if you look at production, if we, if, when I looked at production for the, our firm over 10 years, it was exactly what you said. And it was so it was so frustrating because the last, you know, when those last few months, it was so hectic and it's, but it was productive and everybody was happy because they're making money and, yeah. you know, and, and they're getting new clients and they're, <laughs> but you know, in the middle of summer, 
you know, you had to talk people off the ledge, you know, it was a good thing. The windows didn't open, you know, so, <laughs> so, you know, I think that's, how do you teach people to focus on that? And like, what are the things that, you know, I know you've got a lot of cool new things and I want to, I want to focus really on, on, uh, you know, Dan Sullivan always, always says, make your future bigger than your past. And so I want to talk about the book and I think the concepts in the book are great. And I think you did a great job kind of summarizing that. Tell, tell me like, what's, what's next? Like what, what other things do you see that, or other ways that you're maybe going to start being able to help entrepreneurs? That's a great question. And um, clearly, I think that the execution piece of the 12 week year is something that will always be part of what I do, because um, one of the things that we've really been able to help people with is consistency across time with, with what they're getting done. So instead of just being great at the end of the year, they're great every 12 weeks. And, um, you know, that can be a pretty profound impact on income. So we're going to continue to do that. But what we're changing a little bit is that with the 12 week year, it's really not about anything. It's, it's a, a system that you can use to accomplish goals in any endeavor, whether it's personal or business. Uh, we're, we've, we've worked in industries across the board between um, financial services, obviously, but we've been in the, the hospitality industry. Uh, one of our clients uh, mines asteroids or plans to mine, ast- mine asteroids. And so it can be used in a lot of different environments. But um, where we're going with, with uh, the next phase of this is, is that 12 weeks is becoming a, a rather long time frame within which to plan and execute. It's still a good time frame to set goals, but, but a lot of times the world's moving so fast that um, even 12 weeks is too long. And so I'm really looking at, at more of what it takes to execute in whatever cycle that you've got, right? Short cycle execution is what I'm calling it. And if you've got four weeks of certainty, then plan for four weeks. So it's a more flexible tool set, perhaps in the 12 week year. And also working on some stuff with uh, Mike Gandolfo. I think you know Mike pretty Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. And, and, and we're working with Mike on a new concept about how do you really align yourself? How do you prepare to be successful? So what are the things that, that really come before the results, but, but kind of the character stuff and the, and the alignment stuff that is required to be, to be successful in, in uh, any endeavor, but especially in business. So those are the areas I'm working on. There's a lot of stuff that's really exciting there. And I'm also writing a new book with Brian. So, so a lot of things going on on the, on the new front for me. Awesome. And, uh, um, so on the podcast, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So um, Mike Gandolfo uh, met us at, at, at uh, an event. You know, I met my wife at an event in uh, San Diego and um, they, they took, hit it off really well and they're both into horses. So I think that was probably the, the, uh, the thing that did that. But um, as we began to understand more about what Mike was capable of, we were really interested in, in talking to him and, and seeing what he was doing. And he's invited us in to his uh, operations a little bit. And so as we've gotten to know him, we, we just realized that there was, there was a real opportunity for us to join forces at one level and, and talk about what it takes to be great. You know, like I was saying earlier, what it takes to, to close the gap between what is and what can be. And um, you know, the work that we're, we're working on with Mike right now, I think, is, is pretty profound because it, because it deals with a lot of different areas of your life that may be holding you back. Um, helps you to kind of understand what needs to happen to be successful. And then combining that with, with the execution discipline, I think is a really powerful way of, of helping people get better. And, and I'm really excited to help Mike and work with Mike on that, on that project. We call it the Aligned Life Pro. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I'm looking forward to, that hasn't launched yet, right? 
Nope, it's still in the nascent uh, phases, but it's but it's uh, it's coming along pretty great, well. Great, great. Well, um, I know that uh, you've spoken on um, on the uh, live Facebook uh, stuff that Mike's doing, and that's been really cool too. Um, he's had some great guests on and a lot of great information, and um, uh, you know, another one of my favorite books, uh, Twelve Week Years, definitely one of my favorite books. But also, Bob, I think he just had Bob Berg on for. Um, uh, the Go-Giver, which is one of my favorite books. Yes, so, um, which by the way, I think Bob Berg is going to be, I mean, he's, he was just on our show. So by the time this airs, he would have just, uh, aired as well. So, uh, he's a, he's a true gentleman. You know, when, when you talk about having, you know, when, being an entrepreneur and I've got several companies and got a lot of different irons in the fire at different weeks, different times, different days. And that focus is really a key and it's almost um to me having that system of focus but also keeping track of things so that i can turn off my entrepreneurial brain at some point in time during the day because if i just let it go 24 hours a day i'll get to the point where i feel overwhelmed and wiped out emotionally physically um spiritually so you know talk about the benefits of you know, some of the systems that you've developed in, in the handling, in handling that, that challenge. That's a great question. That's one of the reasons that we're doing some of the work we're doing right now. Um, not being able to, to have a balanced life and, I, and I'm not talking about 50, 50 balance, but, but just an intentional balance between the different areas of our lives um, is critical. So, and that's really what the aligned life pro work that we're doing is all about. So if you're not getting enough sleep, if, if you're working too much, if you're, if you're imbalanced in terms of the things that you're working on, all of those things are, are potentially things that are going to keep you from accomplishing what you're capable of. And um, I think when you, when you look at the, the incredible focus that entrepreneurs have to bring to what they do and in all the different aspects of, of what it takes to, to start a business and to build a business and to maintain and, and lead a business, um, there's a there's a lot of skills that are required to make that that happen and to do it well, and I think sometimes we get consumed by that. Um, it can it can it can really take your life over, and so being being aware that there's 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 only so much you can do, and making sure you're focused on the top priorities. And, and what we found is that if you if you're getting the top priorities done, if you're focused on those things and they're happening, the rest of the stuff's going to follow. It's the the problem is is if we don't don't prioritize where we spend our time, we um we can get swamped. Yeah. You know, it seems like, like for me, I know it's like the, I'm pretty good at focusing on the big things, but when the little things pop up and they won't go away, it like irritates me. And then I'll just get to the point where um, I have no time or no patience for those little things. And in what I, what I've learned is that I have to delegate those right away and never think about them again. Because if not, then I get really scattered because I'm trying to focus on these big projects and the big vision and those little things. I gotta, I, I've got to have that for the, for the admin person or the implementation person to, to handle. And, and I can't micromanage them or over, even oversee them. I have to just let them go. 
Uh, that's a great point. And I think, you know, when you think about delegating, um, generally the things that are C-level priorities for you, for, for the people that you're delegating them to, they, they're a B or an A. So they're developmental opportunities and so on. So you can use those not only to get them off your plate, but use them as, as stretch assignments for your team. But, you know, if you're dealing with a lot of that stuff, I like to call it administrivia. And it's not really trivial, but it's not driving the revenue either. And so um, there's three things that I recommend is if you have a process you can create, create a process. So we go through our email, for example, in, in blocks we call buffer blocks. And we just knock through our emails, bing, 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 our voicemail, same thing. The, if you still have those little pink um, meeting notes or questions, notes that you have in your office, go through those really quickly. But you just deal with all that stuff in, in bursts of time, and it keeps it from interrupting the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Um, so process is helpful. Stop doing them. If you can just stop doing them and nothing happens bad, just don't ever start them again, right? Or delegate, right? So process, stop or delegate that stuff. And, and you'll find, I think you'll, you'll get a lot more time freedom. The problem I find though, isn't so much that, that I don't want to do them. The problem is I want to do them because going through my email makes me feel productive. Right. Going through my voicemail makes me feel productive. Going through my to-do list makes me feel productive. The stuff that's really value creating, the stuff that makes my money, right? That's difficult sometimes. That's, that's going to require some effort, some thinking. And sometimes for people, it's just easier to go through the, the, the little stuff, feel productive in the moment. And then at the end of the day, you've got nothing major accomplished, but you've got all your to-dos kind of done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, back in the day, I used to use a, uh, a Franklin, now they became Franklin Covey, but now the, I can't remember what the one that I used to use was the, I think it was the Franklin one. And you would put all your to-dos for the day, then you would prioritize them and then you would number those and then you would, you know, cross them out. And you're right. What, what you're supposed to do is focus on the big ones, but it was like, if it was, Hey, call this client and, um, you know, it was something that you didn't really want to do. You found yourself focusing on the little ones that you could just knock out easy and you felt like you were productive yes. and you were busy and maybe you got things off your list, like you said, but you really weren't productive. And, you know, when I think about, I know for me, if, if I get a time demand from one of my companies, I really want to know what they want before I have that conversation. Like I want them to explain to me what the outcome is supposed to be of the meeting before we have the meeting. And, and that way I at least get them to formulate their thoughts a little better and um, um, cause I, you, you can just get bogged down with so much information and so many people wanting to meet with you for things that really aren't that important. And sometimes when they're trying to formulate what their outcome that they want, then they realize they don't need to have the meeting. Yeah. I was just going to say, I bet yeah. that's what happens. You know, when you got to stop and think about it. Well, maybe I don't. Yeah, maybe I can just make this decision on my own because if I give him these three mm -hmm. options, there's only one option that makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, exactly. And if, if you think about that, they, they pay no price for getting your time. You're the one that's paying the price. So of course they're going to try to get your time and get decisions made. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. So that's, you know, Dan Sullivan, the strategic coach, he has, you know, unique ability. And I think that most of the people in the audience that are entrepreneurs or they're realtors or they're, you have a unique ability. I think real estate business is getting really ahead of a lot of businesses having these teams and, um, and, and working with teams because then theoretically 
everybody could be doing their unique ability and the team could function at a much higher level. Um, talk about that a little bit about the things that you've seen with entrepreneurs or the things that you uh, coach with entrepreneurs in that area. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, you know, there's, there's good teams, productive teams, and then there's challenging teams. And I think with a team as a leader, one of the things that I, I, I really want to do is I want to, I want to have them be taking ownership. Um, so, so I don't have to be a central cog in the machine. So if I'm there, things run. And if I'm not there, um, they don't run. And so we work, we do a lot of work with um, PNC um, advisories where they have a, 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 you know, general, they have a, they have a, um, a, an agent who's licensed and maybe another person who's been running business is licensed, but they've got a team of people kind of helping them accomplish their goals. And what I see very often is that that, that agent, the, the, the owner of the agency uh, often is, is in the center of all, of all the operations. And if they're not there, the operations comes to a halt. And, and so if I'm, if I'm a PNC guy and I want to build a commercial business, I'm going to have a hard time doing that if my team is dependent on me, on me to take action. Now, there's a psychological benefit to that. You know, if I'm, if I'm the central cog, I feel like I'm really important and the team needs me and all that. But if that's the case, then I can't ever have another job. So what I want to do is I want to create ownership on the part of the team. And so, you know, I, I want them to help me set the goals that we have for the team, what are the production goals, what are the growth goals, what are the, the, the competency goals and all that stuff, right, about getting better. Help, help, have them help me set those goals. And then once we have the goals, then have them help me define how we're going to get there, help me build the plan to get there. So that's the starting point of ownership because they've had input. But then after we've got the input, then I want to execute as part of the team. And I want, I want to create a system that helps us execute that stuff, so we get to the goal, but it's the system that's driving us there. It's not me and not my, my personality. It's the system. And, and what ends up happening in those kinds of teams is each individual member of the team is contributing and they're going to challenge each other and support one another. Um, and, and, uh, and that really allows that agent to not have to be that, that part of the machine, but they become the leader and the enabler of the machine. And it gives them a lot more time for you. So I think, I think building a team where people can, can focus on their skill set, on their unique capabilities. It makes everybody happy. It makes people feel fulfilled. They're not stressed out. Um, they're not resentful. They're not trying to find another job. And typically, that kind of a team is profitable. So having a team where people are able to exercise their strengths and that is coordinated and has taken ownership, man, that's, that's an amazing thing. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. You know, I'm thinking of one insurance company that does, I think, a pretty good job on it because I have my property and casualty with them. And when you call them, you never talk to the actual agent. I think he's trying to sell life insurance or do big commercial cases or something. Yeah. But you, yeah. you know, you talk to all of these different CSRs. They do a great job. They do their job. I don't really need to talk to the agent. Um, and um, and they have a good system. Sometimes I think when when I've seen people develop systems and or a teams. And it doesn't matter really what business it's in, is the leader has to be confident enough to delegate and confident enough to lift up the people around them. And you don't see that very often. A lot of times there's a scarcity mindset or or there's not the confidence that's necessary from the leader to give that person the reins a little bit because they're thinking, I think sometimes I've seen guys think that, 
well, that guy, that person's going to get better than me, or they're not going to think they're, they're really not going to need me. I need them to believe they need me for this or something. You ever see that out there? All the time, all the time. I mean, I think the biggest barrier to an effective team is the leader. Um, and it's not to say that you don't have team members that aren't functioning. I get that. It's not to say that you don't have team members that, that I just haven't taken ownership, don't want to be part of a, of a, of an ownership structure. But I think that, um, there's a part of what a leader does that is about being the super, you know, hero, if you will, in the, in the team. And there's, there's a psychological benefit, uh, that people get from that, but there's, there's dramatic costs. And so when you think about, I don't trust my team members, right? Well, well, how do you develop that trust? You give them stretch assignments. You don't just walk away and let them fail. You support them, right? There's a little bit of time and effort involved with that. But the more stretch assignments you can give someone, you're going to find out pretty quick, do they have what it takes to really be a functioning member of my team? And if they do, it's going to get them there faster. So, so trust, but, but um, you know, don't let them fail. You know, do your, do your best to be there for them, support them, encourage them. But if you can build that competency into your team, it's going to pay off for years. Yeah. You know, the, um, Nelson Nash, uh, one of my uh, great uh, friends and mentors, he just passed away at 88 years old last March, March of 19, I mean. And, um, you know, the thing that every time that I asked him a question, Michael, he, he never gave me a direct answer. He, you know, and I remember <laughs> one time I was asking him about something. I don't even remember what it was. And he said, he said, Jim, what do you know about the Tulsa race riots of 1921? And I said, well, honestly, Nelson, I guess I don't know anything about that. He goes, well, read about that. So I did. And the answer came to me what I had asked him. Right. And, and so I think that he was confident enough to know that I would come to the answer where the answer was. But if I just give him the answer, then the, guess what? Next time I have a question, I'm going to go to him to ask him that same, not to, you know, to ask him the question because he's an easy way to get the answer. But what he was teaching me is find the answer on your own. Right. And, and I think those are the best kinds of leaders, best kinds of mentors. And, uh, and I, and I think that's really, uh, uh, cool. Um, you know, I, I, I said off air that I was using periodization, the, the, the workbook from how far back does that go, Michael? Uh, 2003, I think. Oh, I, th- I bet you, okay. I'm going to check that. Cause I, I it's gotta be later than that. Cause I wasn't at guardian then. Well, we, we did it for, we started it in 2003, that book stuck around and became the 12 week year. So it, okay. it evolved, but that's, that's, we've been publishing a version of that book. Since oh, oh, 2003. I um, see what I have is a little pamphlet. It's, it's not even, you know, it's just a, it's like a, it's a, probably okay. you tw- caught me. You caught me. It's, it was a pamphlet. We called oh, it a book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Uh, yeah. oh, that's fine. I, right. I just know that I have it. And I, and I, I remember around the time that the 12 week year came out, I, I remember looking at that pam that book, that other book and saying, Hey, I'm going to wish I could get more of these. I don't ever know what, you know, I didn't, I don't, I don't know what happened to these guys. And then the 12 week year came out. I was like, that, yeah, that's what happened to these guys. They're, they uh, kept going and uh, blew it up into this, which is great. Um, you know, when I think of that, it makes so much sense. Like when I was, you know, when I was younger and played sports, 
you know, and my daughter's in theater and I, and everybody does periodization like that. And everybody does that like burst of focus over time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I did something last year. I did the, uh, the whole 30 thing where it's like no sugar, no beans, 30 days. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's a, it's kind of a reset, but what it made me think is that, you know, at the end of the 30 days, by the way, you sometimes think, well, why wouldn't I just keep doing this or, or some of these aspects. So sometimes like those forming, what I'm trying to get to in a really long, uh, not very eloquent way <laughs> is forming those habits of success. Talk about maybe mm-hmm. like what you see and how you've systems that you have to help uh, entrepreneurs develop those habits of success. Well, that, that's a, that's a really great question. And I'm going to really work hard to be brief in, in honor of the 12 week year. But one of the things that, that really creates habit um, I believe is the, the disciplines that I think are fundamental to high performance. And so where I'm, where I'm going with that is that, you know, with, with the 12 week year, what we do, once we set a 12 week goal, that's, that's tied to our longer term vision and we built out a 12 week plan, or if we're operating in a short cycle execution environment, where it's, you got four weeks and you're building out a plan, um, that, that process is the thinking part, right? It's kind of setting the stage, but the way that we execute is, um, really going to make us either hit those goals, help us hit those goals or keep us from that. And so what I find is that, you, you, you have to have a routine, right? So you've got to have a routine. And for us, there's a weekly execution routine that really shapes our behavior. And there's a daily execution routine, but we, we look at the week as sort of that execution cycle. And once you've got the plan in place, every Monday morning, you start the, the week off with a weekly plan. It's a printed weekly plan. And the reason we have a printed plan is because there's things that push back against change in your environment, and they're going to keep you from changing unless you counteract them. And so the little paper plan is a trigger for a different set of behaviors. So, so giving yourself a different set of triggers to behave in a certain way is one of the things that we do to, to instill those disciplines and those habits. Um, and then at the end of the week, we score our execution. We say, so how, what percentage of my tactics did I get done? Most people never do that. Most people put a plan together, go out and mess around with it. And then eventually when nothing happens, they say that plan didn't work. I need to find another plan. Reality is most people don't work the plan. So we want to score our execution every week, not only the percentage of tactics we got done each week, but also the progress we made that week. Because in 12 weeks, you can't react very quickly. I mean, you have to react really quickly or you're going to miss your goal. So the end of the week, weekly plan, end of the week, assess performance. And then the last thing we do, and this is a real behavior changer, and I think it's, it's really powerful, is the weekly meeting that we have with our peers. And we call it a weekly accountability meeting. And there's lots of research out there that shows that if you're in those kind of peer-to-peer meetings, it's going to install the behaviors because we're more than willing to give ourselves huge passes Right. I give myself, I knew my intentions. I, I, I try to make that happen, got in the way, couldn't do it. Other people don't know our intentions, have no idea, but they can see our, our actions and our results. And so if we show up to that meeting, and we're unprepared or we haven't done what we said we were going to do. That's an uncomfortable feeling. And so people um, tend to have a greater adherence to the plan over the course of the long haul if they're part of those peer-to-peer meetings. So three things I recommend to change and, and build those, those high performance behaviors, working from a plan, scoring your execution on a weekly basis and attending a weekly accountability meeting. Those things 
um, can be like That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great advice, Michael. Um, you know, figure out what you want and, and then rate yourself as you're going along. Those are two things that most people never get to, uh, you know, score yourself, yeah. grade yourself. But um, most people never get past that first one is what do you want? You know, that, uh, you know, Simon Sinek has, has a great book uh, on uh, start with why, but, um, and I agree with that, but you, you got to figure out what you want and you got to have that vision of what would your perfect lifestyle look like? And what are the things that are important? What checks all the boxes, you know, and, um, um, I I've told this story a little bit over buying, buying this house last week is I said to this realtor, here are all my boxes. And he goes, I, I think I found something that checks all of the boxes. By the way, I wasn't expecting all of the boxes to be checked. And I was telling this story <laughs> to one of uh, uh, one of the realtors in the uh, Buffini White Hat group. And he said, you know, you, ne- you never mentioned price. You know, and I said, well, I just wanted to have all the boxes checked first. And, the, you know, price was really secondary. And I think that that I think that's what most people is if I'm getting everything that I want now the price is at the end, like if it makes sense. Right. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, Michael, you know, the, uh, just from a personal standpoint, cause I love all of this stuff and I'm always trying to get better every single day. So, I mean, I could talk to you about this stuff for hours, but, um, tell us, um, obviously the 12 week year is a great book, but what's, what's one or two books that you've read in your lifetime that you would recommend everybody in the audience read? That's a great question. And, and so the first answer I'm going to have is, is, is there's going to be three books. The first one, uh, because of my personal beliefs, is the Bible. If you read the Bible, it's going, to, it's going to help you in a lot of areas of your life. But once that book's read, um, there's two books that I really have found. There's one that's new that I found really helpful in a lot of ways. And there's one that's a little bit older. And the first one, the new one, is a new book that came out this year. I found it as I was walking through Costco. I was on a book table in Costco for whatever reason. And it's called The Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. And um, he wrote a book that was really about how do you create sort of micro change that leads to larger change? Because a lot of times when people think about change, they're, they're overwhelmed by the magnitude of the requirement on them. And what he's saying is, look, rather than, than do these big, huge habits that are going to probably not work, um, instead focus on small things. And so an example of that might be if you want to get up earlier, just focus on, on a couple of things about when that alarm goes off, you know, it's put your feet on the floor and say a quick prayer or say a quick mantra that says, look, you know, today's going to be a great day somehow or whatever. And you just get into this routine that creates a set of behaviors that follow. So it, he does a much better job of explaining it than I do, but I think that's a great book. Another book that I think is profound actually um, is a book called The Answer to How is Yes um, by, by a guy named Peter Block. And um, it's all about this concept of, of we, we don't know how to do stuff, so we never try. And, and we defeat ourselves before we even engage with stuff that we're capable of. We, we see things that, that inspire us. We things, see things that we'd like to be um, and, and results we'd like to create. But, but if they're significant, um, if they're significantly bigger than where we are today, none of us know how to make that happen. And so because we don't know how, as soon as we go to asking that question, how would I do this? We kind of come back to earth. Yeah. And, and, Peter's argument is say, Hey, stay, stay with the, you know, yes, just say yes to it and figure out the how going forward. I think it's a profound book. I recommend it to anybody who has the time. You know, to that's, read it. Uh, 
I, I love that. I love that, just that concept, because it's one of the things that's made a huge difference in my life is I read The Magic of Thinking Big when I think when I was in my 20s. And one of the things that he said was, um, there's only one cure for fear, action cures fear. And, you know, what you're saying is kind of the same thing. If I don't, it's a type of fear, not knowing, thinking I don't know how to do something or whatever it is. You know, in the last couple of years, I've gotten a little bit into um, um, road biking. And um, sometimes, you know, people will ride their bike 10 miles and and you think, man, that's a pretty good bike ride. And then you start to realize there are guys out there riding, you know, 100 mile bike rides on a Saturday or Sunday or and then and then you're going, you know, 14 miles an hour. And then you you then then all of a sudden you're going 16 miles an hour on your average ride. And if you if you just think like, well, how am I ever going to get to we've, we've got a friend actually there in Louisville who's a triathlete and he, guy averages like 22 miles an hour. Now uh, at 54, Michael, I'm, and, and if you ever, ever saw this guy, he's a beast. I mean, he's he's not uh, he's not a guy that I'm trying to keep up with, but he's inspirational. But how do you get to 22 miles an hour? you just get out there and pedal, man. You, you just, you get out there and you ride and then you get stronger and then you ride and you get stronger. And, and, uh, I, you know, so I like that concept. I'm definitely gonna, those are two books that I, it doesn't happen very often, Michael. Those are two books not, uh, that I have not read. Now, the first book that you, that you mentioned the Bible, I'm in, uh, I, I read the Bible all the time every day, but, um, I'm in a Bible, uh, devotional that is a Bible in a year. And I tried to do this last year in our, in our co-host, sometimes Nick Costco, he succeeded, he made it through and congratulations to him. I did not. And I, and I got caught up in the old Testament and I have to share this because, um, Nelson Nash gave me some great advice. And so it tells you when I was struggling, I was struggling in March, right? Cause he passed away in March. This is 19 when I was going to read the Bible from cover to cover. And, uh, and I said, Nelson, I am struggling with the Old Testament. And I just, you know, man, I just can't get through the Old Testament. And he, and, and I hate to do his accent, but I love the way he talked. He said, he said, Jim, <laughs> he said, you have to understand the problem before you understand the solution. The Old Testament is the problem. The New Testament is the solution. And again, that was just one of the best, you know, what a great, what a great perspective. What a great message. And he's absolutely right. The, the new Testament is the solution. It's the answer. The old Testament is the problem, right? Yeah. It, it's a great way to succinctly just kind of describe what each book is about and in the whole kind of yeah. story. Right. So that's, yeah. that's amazing. I, I, uh, I, I would, I think I may have, to, I have not read, um, his book that you mentioned, I have to say, but I, I think I'm somewhat going to yeah. have my reading list. Uh, it's so. a great book. And he was a really smart man. He wrote a few, he wrote, uh, two books, uh, that, and a lot of great articles and, uh, but becoming your own banker is a must read. And, uh, I wanted to make it kind of offer to the audience too, um, before we wrap up Michael, but I got one more question for you too, but anybody hey. who thinks has been struggling with, planning and kind of getting caught up into that year focus and the quarterly and procrastination and all that. If you review our podcast, do the review, then send me your mailing address. I will send out the first 10 people that do that a free copy of the 12 week year. 
So I just, I'd like to, you know, give back to, to people that, so if you're struggling with some of this stuff, you want to learn more. Um, and, uh, um, I'd go to Michael, is there a website by the way that they can go to that to learn more about you and just all of the stuff that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. There's the, the, the 12 is clearly the, the website that you're going to see in the book. Um, in terms of the new stuff that I'm working on, uh, there's a, there's a website called results pathway. Dot com. And if you go in there, there's a calendar. You can schedule some time to chat about um, any opportunities you think you have. And we'd be glad to talk to you about whether or not we think we can help you with any of our services. But yeah, if you're looking for coaching or you're looking for training or you're looking for some consulting. That's awesome. And, you know, obviously, Michael, you've been very successful and you've been with a lot of successful people. You've probably got some great advice in your lifetime. What is just give me one of the best things that anybody's ever given you as far as advice? Well, yeah, this may not resonate with anybody else, but it resonates with me because the, one of the, the most respected people in my life, um, my dad told me this and he had a lot of quotes, and, but the one that I appreciate the most is he said, Mike, do something, even if it's wrong. And when I, when I first heard that, I was, what, the, what are you talking about? But I've, I've come to realize that what he meant was, is you're not going to know all the answers before you begin. You're going to make mistakes and it's okay, but you've got to start. You got to take action and do something, even if it's wrong. I love that. I love that. You know, I, I always told uh, my son um, is make the decision that you make. You make it be the right decision because, you, you know, a lot of times you're in control. If you decide you're going one way, then make it make it work. If you, you know, if you want to, if you decide you're going to medical school, then become a doctor and become the best doctor you can be. If you dropped out of medical school, then then find that other path and, and, and become the best at that. You, you're, you determine whether, whether you have a, uh, whether it was a good decision or not. Absolutely. And every decision has to have a starting point. You got to take action. Got to take action. That's, that's, you're exactly right. And you know, um, you got to take action and action cures whatever fear that you're feeling out there audience. So Michael, thank you so much. Like I said, I, I, I could talk to you about this for a long time and I've really enjoyed our time together. And uh, please reach out to Michael, uh, audience. And if you are ready to take action and learn how to take control of your own finances and your own money, then reach out to us at createtailwind.com and schedule a free coaching session on learning how to take back control of your money. Because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to. Until next time, again, thank you to our guest, Michael Lennington, and we'll see you next time. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation. Wow, Nick, you know, the, the concepts that Michael shares in that podcast that I remember being when they, when him and Brian, uh, when Michael and Brian had a little pamphlet called periodization. And I was in my 20s when I first was exposed to this. And I remember thinking, well, that's exactly what you would do in sports. And when I grew up playing sports, you know, you would prepare and then you would rest, right? You would prepare, perform, rest. And then, and, and um, I think about uh, one of my daughters was in theater and they would rehearse, 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 perform, and then there would be downtime, there would be rest. So that periodization makes 100% sense to me today. 
And it's something that's so important. And, and I think it's really important for us to remember as we look at the next 12 weeks coming up to, you know, the end of the year and maybe a little bit beyond. That's right. And, and the last thing that I really love uh, as a takeaway is the reminder to keep score. You know, like I don't have to keep score in, uh, in who picks up the dirty towels around the house because I'll lose that one. But if we're going to keep score in, in measuring our progress through business, right? Uh, measuring progress through our relationships. And um, uh, I just love that reminder in their system because that's, for me, how I'm, I'm going to measure my success in a lot of ways. And it is the activity that I'm doing generating success. So I got to keep score so that I know whether or not that's happening or not. So I appreciate Michael uh, sharing that. I appreciate you doing the interview with him. Uh, it's beneficial to all of us, frankly. You know, one of my uh, favorite simple quotes is winners keep score. So, um, uh, you know, the losers want to forget what the score was, right? And if you think of a football game or anything else, the winners always remember what the score was. So, all right, until next time, those uh, winners, they're not in the herd. Losers are in the herd, but we can make them winners by just getting out of the herd. Nothing good happens in the herd. Until next time, thank you, Nick. We'll see you next time, guys.